0: X-Men
1: Get it x Get it, get it. X-Men, Come on. Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we normally rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, we're in the same room. I'm sitting across the
2: table from you. This this is is Cheers, Cheers. Woo. Clink. That's us drinking beers together.
1: We're drinking (laughs) Three Floyds Laser Snake, which Mm. is a good beer, actually. And has crazy art that's, like, great. Yeah, y'all don't know about Three Floyds, or maybe you do. They have Dark Lord Day and all that stuff. It's a good Midwestern brewery because the Midwest actually has the best beers. I don't know about any of that, but it tastes good, so I'm happy. Uh, Zach, where are we? Uh, We're in the C2E2 loft. Mm. Uh, This is where... The X loft That's what we've been calling it. Uh, Me and Adam are here. A bunch of our other friends are here, and you'll hear them at the end of the episode. It's like Charlie and Chris and Christy and Thomas. You guys don't know Thomas. Well, you you might. Who knows? He hasn't been on the podcast before. That's the important thing. Uh, But... What I do want to let you know is that this is going to be a special episode celebrating C2E2 and all the really cool swords that we learned about here. You <laughs> all know about X of Swords, right? Ten of Swords? I was going to say, it's Ten of Swords, Zach. It it's is not ten X of swords, of swords, but shut up. Everybody gets a sword. We all have swords now. Uh,
2: if you had a sword, what would your sword be? Because iBoy has a sword and it's just covered in eyes.
1: iBoy does have a Soul caliber ass sword. I think I make that joke later in the episode. Uh, <laughs> You can make it twice. Instead. I can't. I make the joke <laughs> once to Leah, and she makes better. Uh, no, I'd probably look. If I had a sword, it would be like just a very basic sword. It wouldn't be something that I could actually fight well with. Okay. It would. It would look pretty, pretty dope. I I like to think that it would have like a mahogany Ooh. hilt guard, Ooh. Uh, which is not practical. Yeah. But I think it would be pretty. What about you, Adam? What would your sword be? I don't know.
2: I'm trying to think. Like, Cyclops has an I-beam sword. Storm has a lightning sword. What if your
1: sword just had, like, a pen nib coming out? of it? I was going to say,
2: like, it would have to be some kind of, like, pencil sword
1: or or uh, iPad pencil sword or something like that. I like this energy. <laughs> uh, so we have an excellent episode for you today. Uh, there's a handful of special guests, uh, live from the con floor, and if you haven't been to a convention... It's noisy. It's noisy. We're doing our best here. If you don't like the audio quality, sorry. Mm. You will. You will want to listen to these interviews, We did our best. Yeah, the interviews are good. Uh, who are some of the people we've got, Adam? I mean, we have talked
2: to just about, uh, every ex-person that was here, so, um... For some artists, you're going to hear from David Nakayama, who has done a lot of uh, X-Men cover art, a lot of variant work for Marvel, um, Adam Gorham of New Mutants Dead uh, Souls fame, and uh, Matt Horrock and uh, Rod Reyes um, is also on the show talking about New Mutants. And you've pretty much uh, sat down with just about every X-writer that is here. So yeah, who have you talked to?
1: Well, Tini Vita, Leah, Ed. I didn't talk to Jerry. You talked to Jerry. I did. Jerry was great. Rockstar uh, Jerry. Who else? Uh, what's his name? Ben Percy. Mm-hmm. He's here. Jordan D. White's in the house. Is Hickman on this episode? Not yet. We we don't know.
3: We don't know. We
1: there, don't know. This is just everyone that we've recorded with. So far on this, the end of the second night, Zach has a whole other day where he can get into shenanigans. <laughs> uh, but we don't know what those are going to be. So.
2: Yeah, Adam has already gotten into his shenanigans by accidentally getting into a fight with Chris Claremont. Yeah, so. we're not,
1: that's not <laughs> recorded. Uh, Adam to get into a fight with Chris Claremont. Zach's going to see what he does tomorrow. I do have no time in the world to like. Just stay away Wait. from it. You don't want to I do don't know. that. I do have an unsigned copy of the New Mutants original graphic oh, yeah. novel. Yeah. And you have a God
2: Loves Man Kills, don't you? I don't have God Loves Man Kills. I just have... did you get it signed
1: by Bob, the New Mutants? I haven't done it yet. All right, go, go get it signed by Bob. I gotta go Bob, Bob and Chris. He's going to be much more chill for you. Bob McCloud, he designed the New Mutants. You know them. They're your favorites.
2: Genuinely delightful person selling really good New Mutants Prince, and I wish I had grabbed one. Is he really?
1: Yeah, he's got a really cool original one. That's Y'all, nice. I might have to go buy some new Mutants prints tomorrow from Bob McCloud, very famous artist. Uh, but that's going to be our episode. Uh, before we jump into the interviews, we're doing this little bit of rambling, and I know this is looser than our normal format, but Adam, what's been your favorite moment of the con so far? Um, we have gotten the chance to
2: go to X panels. We've gotten the chance to sit down with a lot of the X creators. I think genuinely, it has been really cool twofold to hang out with all of our uh, ex-Twitter buddies in person. Right. Um, We have met with uh, a a nice group of fans over the course of the last two days who've, like, recognized us. And uh, if you were one of those people, thank you. If you wanted to run into us and you haven't, um, I'm out of here to, on Sunday, but uh, Adam,
1: they're not listening. This is oh, this, this is a live. week what and
2: a half later. About? Yeah, no, this uh, is so much later. This is it's, what happens when I eat a giant cheeseburger. Oh, the first you had a big top.
1: cheeseburger, and guys, we had the largest pretzel <laughs> I've ever seen. It was the size of a small baby. We the couldn't thing was eat two at foot all. long, no, at least was, a foot foot wide.
2: It was too much. Um, we ate. Did we eat half that pretzel? I feel like we might have
1: even eaten more of it. I uh, don't know. Give I, us give us give us at least a third. How's that? No, I want to say we I want to say half. Um, I think we I think we nailed half that pretzel. Yeah, I would give us at least half. Cheese sauce wasn't great. The mustard was okay. No, no, a little, little, little on the
2: chunky side. However, um, so aside from that, I just think uh, it's been really great. Uh, we want to thank everybody who's on this episode because the the X team has just been really warm and inviting and um, we've just been kind of hanging with them over the
1: weekend. Except for Papa Papa, uh, well, papa papa hickman.
2: Papa has been grounded to his hotel room to work on scripts and we understand <laughs> why because he has to get that stuff done
1: he has to do that so that everyone else can do their job and papa hickman if you're listening to this please come on our podcast tomorrow i'm begging you bud I'm it's begging not live you.
2: he's not listening i to
1: this. know well he has he has like <laughs> special writer esp right sure well how about you zach what's been the uh, the highlight for you uh, it's been a big highlight meeting a bunch of fans and friends and stuff over this. It's been a super fulfilling weekend, just hearing like hearing all you people say really nice things about us, and then meeting people and just having a really good time. I've been stuck in Artist Alley, and I say stuck because I've put myself there because it's the friggin' best. There's so many super talented people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all great. It's been a super fun show. Getting to see my friends has been great. Getting to meet Adam in person Woo-hoo. has been a super delight. He's yes. Guys, he both exists and is, and is good, actually. <laughs> He's great. He's everything I wanted from an Adam and more. Uh, Zach,
2: you are everything I expected and more. It's been a delight to be in
1: your personage. Well, that's great. <laughs> guys, who won't keep you from the good, good content any longer? Uh... We'll be back at the end of the episode to chat. Adam's going to be on a plane ride by the time we do that, which is sad.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, go enjoy our interview with Jordan D. White starting now. We are here at C2E2. Uh, the X-Men panel just ended. Uh, this is Zach. I'll probably have done the intro already. I'm here with Jordan D. White, uh, senior editor of the X-Men line. Jordan? uh let's talk about the big elephant in the room oh. ten of swords
4: bud ten of swords so there's ten swords that sounds like a reasonable assumption i mean the press release really said so okay then you never so mind. you're allowed to say that good, i good, i assume good.
1: everyone knows at this point sure and it's a week later so oh, gotcha gotcha either way uh so yeah ten of swords
4: yeah uh this is spitting out of stuff that Teeny was doing in Excalibur, which has a lot of sorts, right? It's, there's going to be some Teenie stuff. Basically, it comes out of stuff that Jonathan has been seeding and stuff that Teenie's been seeding. Right. Um, both equally and the two of them are collaborating on the, the, the story and it's gonna be crazy and awesome so this is a 15 issue crossover <laughs> covering all of the books is that correct um, pretty much pretty much
1: okay and then some and then some that's ominous right there yes uh, you think you think with the expansion of the line folks are ready for a big crossover starting well, from w- just two books to now
4: hitting everything let me let me let me just reassure people it's not 15 issues in one month okay but it's a lot of issues It's a world. lot of
1: X-Men, but people like the X-Men right people now.
4: People do like the X-Men. Listen, I think it's going to be worth it and I think the story is going to be important to all the books. It's it's a big it's our big X-Men story for the summer. That's so.
1: exciting. That's exciting to hear. Now uh you know, you got a lot of other stuff going on. You have, uh, let's see, what's coming up
4: other right Other than now? the X-Men, not well, really. You've got Ghost Rider. <laughs> You've
1: got some other stuff. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, but, no, so the X-Men stuff. How, how have you felt the reception's been to the whole X-Men, Don of X line as it's uh, kind of come through in the last few
4: months? Oh, it's been, it's been really positive. It's been really terrific. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, people have been coming up to me at this convention and on the Internet saying, like, I... I haven't read X-Men in years, and I'm back, and now I'm reading every week, and I love it. And that's so heartening. It, it, it just makes us feel really good that people can can jump back into it and be as uh, as passionate about X-Men as they ever have been.
1: That's exciting to hear. Now you got a lot of you know big artists, big writers, big stuff. What has been the biggest surprise book for you? What what really have you been like? This has blown me away. I didn't know this was going to be here, and it's really. Taking taking me aback.
4: Interesting question. Interesting question. And well, you mean, better
1: answer well, because Teenie is within your shot. <laughs>
4: um, basically, I mean, well, first of all, all the books are great, and right, we didn't we didn't go to people and say do this book mm-hmm. for the most part. A little, tiny bit, but mostly. A we tiny didn't. bit. I'm not gonna say which one. <laughs> Maybe one. But even then, we didn't we didn't go, to go with the details. We kind of went. We need a book that does this kind right. of a thing. Um, everybody came to us with what they wanted to do. I mean, Teeny has talked about how she came in and was like, "Oh, I want to do this book about like this this magical stuff and this things like that," which was not something we were expecting. Right. That all said, the one that probably took me the most off guard, like what, was probably Hellions. Hellions. Because I definitely was like, wait. Why? What? What is happening? What? You're talking about the, the uh, Zeb Wells book that has Wells Nanny book. and Orphan Maker in it? Yes, I am. Nanny, Orphan Maker, uh, Wild Child, uh, Scalp Hunter. Like, again, it was like, wait, this is the team you want to pitch? What? What? And then, again, once he starts explaining what he's doing with it, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I do want to read that book. Uh, and also, when you read Zeb's scripts, he's really good. He's a really good writer. He's terrific. <laughs> Teeny, teeny off mic just said
1: he's very funny, which if you are <laughs> reading, interview.
4: I'm teeny, <laughs> no, yours is later.
1: Yours is later. We already talked about this. <laughs> we
4: I, my buddy. By now, by the time you you hear this, I guess you'll probably maybe you will have read already Spider Ham number three, but I read it like a day ago, and it was so good. It had such an amazingly great bit that is exactly something I'm a sucker for. A very, let me just say, a very Gwenpool bit a very Gwenpool the mutant who lives on Krakoa
1: Gwenpool, and is definitely legally required to stay there and not get erased out of
4: continuity <laughs> she is absolutely a mutant that absolutely counts for real we'll see where she pops up that's good so how we've got about 30 seconds oh, left it, that was a hard a hard I, out
1: I of five told, I I told you that. it'd be five out, five minutes I thought that minutes. was an estimate all right let's know I'm I'm a professional here Jordan uh how tired of you are people asking about baby havoc and the lobsters
4: yeah yeah all right yeah yes very. Uh, very medium. Well, then you should put Baby
1: Havoc and the Lobsters in some stuff. I don't know what to tell you, bud. Uh, you made promises you didn't keep. I didn't, you only, actually. You guys only no revitalized the line.
4: In that picture, where it says all of this will appear. There was also, like, three Wolverines. Yeah, and we have Wolverine in three different books, so
1: I'm uh, going to count that. Uh, I don't know. Well, I appreciate your time. I know you've got a con. Jordan D. Y. To everybody. Check out all the X-Men books. His name's on all of them. Uh they are it is it's I true. Know, of
4: course. Except for X four.
1: Yes, that's a that's a fantastic four book that's causing no shortage <laughs> of yelling. Uh and we have legally said we're not talking about that anymore on this oh, podcast. Sorry, sorry. No. <laughs> uh yeah. I'm gonna end this interview now. Bye.
2: All right, guys. We are here with uh, Rod Reese, right? Is it Reese or Rice? Race. Race. Race? Race. 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 Like uh, ray gun. Okay. So Rod Reis is here, um, artist on New Mutants, taking
5: on all the artistic responsibilities there. How's Correct. that been so far? It's been crazy because uh, one of my one of my favorite things in comics is uh, Bill to Chris Claremont run. Yeah. So when they asked me to do this, uh, I have first I have to thank uh, Jonathan Hickman and uh, Jordan White and uh, people uh, at Marvel to trust me and to ask me to do that. Uh, it's it's crazy. I'm, I'm very uh, honorable to to bring back because they said uh, they're going to bring back the classic new, uh, new mutants. And uh, they asked me this because uh, they like my style, and they and to be honest, uh, I have said my style. It's we have been producing cabbage, and and I and I we share uh, the same sensibilities mm-hmm. artistically yeah. speaking. So uh, every, everything uh, was uh, involved was ready and uh, the, our heart was uh, in the right place. I think that you can see that uh, in the book.
2: Absolutely, I am loving every single page you're making. Um, there's definitely uh, a kinship between you and what Sienkiewicz did mm-hmm. on the original run. Um, before we talk about your artwork, how did you encounter those books? Did you read them as when you were a kid? Um, like at what point in your life did you read the original New Mutants run?
5: Yeah, uh, I think uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I was young. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure uh, how young I was because in Brazil, uh, where when is the the first run? Eighties, uh, yeah, 80s. early eighties, early eighties, yeah. So I can I think it's uh, late late eighties, late eighties. That's when I got to you. Uh, yeah, because in Brazil. Uh, From the original publishing to the Brazilian uh, Portuguese Mm -hmm. version, it was five years, something like that. Okay. Don't worry about that.
2: (laughs) So, let's talk about your style. Um, You are working in a very painterly style, Mm -hmm. uh, very different from a lot of the other house styles that we see at Marvel. Um, and obviously I think there's um, like I said before there's a kinship between what you're doing with the book um, and what Sienkiewicz did. How do you draw the line between what is maybe homage you know, like a a tribute to what Sienkiewicz did and then what's your
5: style like where's that line for you? Okay, so uh, first, at Marvel, the biggest thing for me is that uh, they they, uh, I can do my stuff. They allowed me to work that way mm-hmm. because uh, they have uh, Mike de Mundo. They have Filnoro. Uh, they have they have artists that are different from each other and different from what you usually see out there. They are more open to different styles. Mm-hmm. So they allowed me to do my stuff, which is these uh, 60s uh, illustrators, mm-hmm. these uh, 60s uh, movie posters artists and uh, fashion artists, and, which is uh, is the same uh, reference or part of the same reference as uh, Sincavitch. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, you can see that on um, Phil Nodal's art. Yeah, absolutely. So you're aware- and a lot of illustration uh, on michael mundos art. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we share some uh, of this reference. And uh for this this project what I did was uh bring more of 80s vibe to add to what I already had uh, of uh, some but um, I try to to do something uh, on my own mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not I, I never try to cope in cabbage, but some things like uh, on in, in the last issue, I, I drew a white rose on oh, the right. yeah on rain's head, uh, Yes. yeah, yeah. That was uh, on purpose. Yeah. That was uh, what I, I could say a homage mm-hmm. to the. You know, something that he drew, some very specific. I, I drew that. But only for uh, real fans to, to catch.
2: We noticed. It was great. Um, I love little things like that. Now, there, J- John joked recently about sending you a script with very little time to actually finish <laughs> the issue. Now, some people took that very literally and got on his case about it, but, um, you know, even Jordan talks about Hickman not necessarily always being on time with his stuff. Has there been a time crunch for you to wrap up an issue to get it to print? Um, yeah,
5: I-, I can say that... Uh... I wish I had more time because my my work is is very takes a lot of effort and a lot of work involved. It's it's the drawing and the painting, and so it's a lot of work. I we sometimes I think I wish I had more time. But we when he joked, he said that I did the issuing. I, I don't remember. I don't know, Like two days or two something. Two days, like uh, yeah. Which is impossible. <laughs> yes, and people believe it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, let, let Let's <laughs> Let's say that. Uh, I wish I had more time. I think it's everybody uncertain. would want that, but, right? But uh, uh, but that's okay. I you you do what you you got to do. Well.
2: That brings me to, I want to talk just a little bit about your style before I let you go. So I'm seeing you work on commissions here and you're using a wide variety of different artistic uh, tools. Um, before earlier today, I was here, I saw you working with crayons. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm here, you're working on an apocalypse piece and it's all in watercolors. What kind of materials are you using on the actual book? Uh,
5: uh, z- Zero zero one zero 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 one (laughs) one one zero. So everything's digital that we're
2: seeing. Okay, what what apps are you using? What programs are you using?
5: Uh, Photoshop. Okay. All 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 Photoshop. I I have brushes with uh, painting textures and watercolor textures Uh and uh, different splatters that I use. So I try to do what uh, I do on paper. To do digitally, are you making your
2: own custom brushes to try and figure that out, or you, have you found really good ones that you yeah. like to use?
5: Yeah, I I found online some good ones. I try to uh, custom some mm-hmm. uh, some uh, for paper the textures and uh, but I I don't like to have too much to use because uh, I get lost. Yeah. Well, it can get to be too much, right? Yeah, That's I, I, way. I like to to work with uh, three, four types of brush, and uh, try to with them uh, do the the painterly
2: effect. Mm-hmm. Are you starting straight from col- in color, or are you just working up from a pencil outline? What's your working process like?
5: Mm-hmm. I don't have much of process. Uh, I like to to draw digitally uh, to the the forms and the the, the figures, mm-hmm. but uh, the the backgrounds is pretty much uh, straight to to painting. Okay. To, to to the, the part the, to the colors mm-hmm. with no just like a little guide lines to for, for me to understand what's happening mm-hmm. but pretty much is backgrounds are straight to color part okay but I know that you are very busy this weekend you have
2: uh, so much commission work going on I thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to no, uh, talk to us
5: thank you for asking and me keep up that. the good work uh, it's very very good thank you very much appreciate it
1: Guys, we are here at Teeny Howard's booth Tini, you might know as uh, she's running uh, Excalibur. It's really good, people. You know about that. Everyone likes it. It's the one with the magic and the swords. Uh, now, they all have swords, but that's fun. Tini, how are you doing today? How's the con going for you?
6: Great. Uh, we had the X-Men panel earlier, and we had a big X-Men signing. So it's been uh, it, it's been a great day here on Krakoa with my fellow council. With your <laughs> fellow council, yeah. You're
1: <laughs> sitting in a murderer's row of Ben Percy, Gary Duggan. Uh, Ed Brisson's not here, but he is here in spirit, and also he has his banner.
6: Yeah, yeah. Ed had uh, travel problems.
1: Ed had travel problems, which we are all very sad about. Uh, but no. So want to talk to you about Excalibur. That's your current book that you're really knocking out on, uh, and it's exciting. So you are a noted fan of a lot of the characters that are in Excalibur. Was it a was that the reason you wanted them on the team, or did you have to like hold yourself back? Like I got to find an organic way to make this happen.
6: Well, for me, it was kind of. Um that I love those characters and I wanted to put them through a journey that
0: mm-hmm.
6: uh, I thought they all needed. You know, like right. for me, like putting a character in anything is like I have a way to challenge them. I have a way to make them grow. I have a way to give them a win. I have a way to, to do something for them that uh, narratively I think needs doing. So it's not wrong to say that I picked those characters because I love them. But I sure. because I love them, I know them very well. And there were characters who I was really interested in seeing, like, what the status quo on Krakoa is for them, you know, for Rogan Gambit, a couple who's newlyweds, what's that mean on Mm -hmm. Krakoa for you, you know, especially, and, and for someone like Gambit, confronting him with Apocalypse, like, was really important to me. With Richter, he was someone whose powers were really interesting to me in the context of Krakoa. Right. As a, you know, as a, as a landmass, um... And Richter's ties to that, and his history of, of, of gaining and losing and being confused and difficulty with like his powers. And Jubilee, as someone who has a human child, yeah, um, was, yeah, they're a all, human child now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, those were all really important things to me that I was like, not only, uh, you know, wasn't that I love them, but it was like because I right. love them, I want them on my team, and you know, I want them with with Betsy. I want them with. I, I wanted Betsy to have people around her who mm-hmm. were. You know, X-Men in a way that she, as herself, has never really gotten to be because right. old-school strike Betsy, no one liked her. The X-Men were mean to her. I remember that, even if they don't. I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> look, they were. She was doing a few murders. Okay. And... Like... <laughs> no, look, the x None of the X-Men have any ground to stand on about doing a few murders. That's fine. We all know that and love them for it. Uh, but now, it's very interesting. You've got... A big character on there that I think a lot of people uh, were surprised to see, he's everyone's blue dad, he's Apocalypse. He's the blue dad. Uh, and, you know, I'm allowed to say his name uh, as Apocalypse, and only that, he will get mad at me otherwise. But, now, what was it What was it like bringing in a character who has been not just a, you know, like, villain, but like a big, like, Thanos-level, very bad person villain?
6: So, Apocalypse was like the first character that I really thought of. Like, how does Krakoa change their life? That's a bold, bold first one. He now stabs people in an
1: arena, so he's got a lot going for him.
6: Well, because there was nothing more compelling to me than okay, we're going to give the X Men everything they've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Now what? Um, you know, the, what Apocalypse has wanted has come to pass, and it's not the age of Apocalypse. Right. Um, uh, and that was really interesting to me as someone who we've always seen as, like, the, you know, harbinger of this dark, terrible future. Like, seeing him as, like, a person who's like, no, but he's also very rooted in the past. He's right. very, very, very old. He's, uh, I know, I wrote a book called The Forgotten Queen, which was also about an immortal, and I've talked a That's lot
1: about that. That's coming out, of, that came out of Valiant, right? Yeah,
6: it came out of Valiant. And uh, I always say that, like, I love writing Immortals because they have 10,000 years to get good at stuff. Sure. Uh, and I love that about them because you still have to find, like, failings in them. Right. Um, but Apocalypse was someone who instantly, I was like, well, what does he do? And I was like, I think he seeks out the next thing. But not only is it the next thing, as we've seen from pages in his grimoire, it's something he may have been working on for a long time. Um, and, you know, he's a little, little kindler, gentler Apocalypse, and that's deliberate. Um, because now his battle isn't one that he needs to put on armor for. Now it's one he can walk out onto the battlefield with a cane and a limb. You did say kindler and gentler. He vivisected someone, though? A little bit? No comment.
1: <laughs> Last question for you, Teeny. Uh, in the in the teaser for Ten of Swords, that's right, which, which, which is a very very good title. Thank you. We do see a let's say supporting character from your books showing up on that boy. We're talking we're talking about the original Captain Britain himself, Brian Braddock. We're talking about Brian Braddock. Any uh any comment on how you how you've seen his character evolve from taking away his identity, and now potentially giving him something else? I mean, he has the, or had, the Sword of Might, and, uh, didn't really love that. Wanted
6: to throw that in a hole. Yeah, so, uh... You did see Brian. We did see Brian. That That is Brian. He's on that. He's he's wearing his old pajamas. Yeah, he's got, uh... We we know that Brian has a thing going on with a sword. He does have a thing going on with a sword. Um, and, but, like, so Brian's story right now is, um... It's kind of sad, right? Like, if you're following him right now, like, you're kind of worried about him. He,
1: he's very worried. I'm worried about him. I'm worried about his very sweet baby daughter.
6: Yeah, his, his sweet baby girl. Uh, but, you know, she's fine. She can talk.
1: Yeah, uh, she's, <laughs> she's, frankly, of all the babies in this book, she's the most she's, on top of it.
6: Yeah, she's, she's no, she knows what's up. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it was important to me to think about not just okay, we we take the amulet from Betsy, we or from Brian, we give it to Betsy. Um, you know, I love Brian Braddock, and I love Captain Britain stories, and I wanted to see what that does to Brian Braddock. And Brian Braddock has had some rough times. Like had a few had a few bad ones. Yeah, and so to me it was like I don't want to just you know give him a bottle or a, a depression beard or whatever. Like I want to. You know he doesn't look. He looks great with a beard. True, but um, like I, I want to. I want this to be a challenge for him, too. And, and, you know, if you're reading Excalibur, you know that the challenge is, like, that Betsy is very, as a citizen of two nations, representing one nation, a lot mm-hmm. of people in that nation don't like it. And Brian is going through something I think a lot of people have gone through, which is when you have a certain kind of privilege and people maybe attach themselves to you, you and you have to disavow that. And he's right now trying to get around that. He's, like, afraid of being the, um, you know, the face of good human English people, and, and he doesn't want that. He mm-hmm. loves his mutant family very much. Um, so he's he's going to have to find a way that he can uh, serve what he believes in um, and the people he loves without serving people he doesn't want to.
1: Awesome. That is great to hear. I'm very excited to see where this goes. I'm very excited to hear that you've got a larger role in Ten of Swords and uh, ready to see that. Hope you have a good con. Thank you, too.
2: All right. I am here with the one, the only, the spectacular Whoa. Uh, David Nakayama. Most of you guys know him from his uh, incredible variant cover work uh-huh. and regular cover work for that matter. Okay. Uh, sometimes you see his artwork signed as D-N-A. Dave, how are you doing? Adam, hi. <laughs> I'm glad we're finally doing this. Delightful to catch up with you. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, we, we said we were going to sit down at NYCC and then just the timing didn't work out, so I'm um, very glad to catch up with you here in Chicago. How's your con going today? Oh, fantastic. You know, I haven't, I haven't been to this show ever. This is my first time
7: here, and um, it's amazing. I walked in this morning thinking, oh, I've heard the good things about this mid-sized show. Walk inside and it's bigger than New York Comic Con.
2: Like, wow, I'm blown and, away. And less people. Um, I don't know about less I'm people. not sure like there's I, so I'm many trying people to figure it out like I can actually walk through this that's at this time and I, I'm feeling good about it you know
7: yeah I'll, I'll take okay. it seems really busy to me I haven't been able to sit down and draw all day because it's been constant like sign this buy that, that's you know, great. that good
2: problem to have uh, excellent problem to have so let's talk a little bit about um, your work your style um, and then we could talk about uh, some of your upcoming stuff which I, I think is pretty exciting so up to um, the work that we're seeing on these covers generally is are we looking at digital or are we looking at uh, traditional
7: materials ninety uh, percent of the time it's digital mm-hmm. it's just faster for me yeah I sort of did this 12 year uh, detour through video games I'm a what do you call a recovering art director <laughs> and uh, I you know my love of comics I would come home from the game job and start doing comic stuff at night just you know like a second job almost just because i loved it i felt like something was missing in my life so um yeah i i I got back into it that way Um, but the reason i mentioned that is i had absorbed all these techniques from video games working digitally photo bashing all this stuff um and became you know pretty good at photoshop so it's a faster way for me to work so everything we're seeing here, for the most part, when it's published, is is coming out of Photoshop. Yeah, there are some exceptions, like the, the House of X covers. Um, yeah, I remember you said you did those traditionally
2: and then scanned them,
7: right? That's right, and then I add in a bunch of uh, digital special effects and textures and stuff like that to make it stronger than I could
2: achieve in traditional. Um, have you found, what's your, like, custom brush kind of system? Are you making your own stuff? Do you... Uh, search out like new stuff for new pieces or are you pretty locked into what you like to use? Well, at this point, I'm,
7: I'm just basically using the same, you know, 10 brushes over and over. Okay. But in finding those brushes, it was challenging because there, you know, literally a limit, uh, limitless options out there, right? Yeah. Artists are always trying to sell you their amazing 500 brush pack <laughs> of which you don't need any of them except maybe that one. And then um, <clears throat> Kyle, you know, Kyle yep, Brush. Kyle Webster, yeah. He's great. Um, definitely some of his brushes. I've got some True Grit brushes. And I guess over the years, I just sort of played with them until I found the ones that I like. And now I don't really feel that impetus to to delve into it too much
2: more just because I found ones that do what I need to do. Yeah, and your style is so distinctive. Oh, thanks. Um, and I, I, I find it so unique compared mm. to some of the other things that we're seeing out on the market um, it makes you. a lot of sense why they come back to you time and time again for these cover art uh, pieces so um, I wanted to talk to you briefly about uh, something you just started posting on Twitter oh, which yes. was that uh, we, we just came off the heels of Toy Fair mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago as time this episode airs and uh You're doing some of the card art for that, correct?
7: Yeah. Um, When I went uh, freelance a year and a half ago, I acquired a new client sort of out of nowhere, which was Hasbro, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've been doing a lot of um, package art for them, Um, and that included things like Deadpool's motor scooter and uh, all sorts of things. But, But recently, the one we're talking about right now, it was just announced at Toy Fair, was the Age of Apocalypse yeah. line, uh, which includes seven figures. Mm-hmm. They are let's see, Sunfire, you can help mm-hmm. me. Uh, we got uh, X-Man. X-Man G Gray. Weapon X Wolverine. Yep. Wild Child. That's so weird that there's gonna be a Wild Child. Isn't that strange? Figure. Like I don't know who was clamoring for that one necessarily, I don't know. but it does help fill out the yeah, whole
2: Absolutely the
7: whole look. Yeah. And a couple more. Um, and look, amazingly, it was my first set where I did all the art, uh, all seven.
2: It's really cool. I mean, I, I, I've seen the stuff that you've been posting, the ones that you've been uh, allowed to share, and it, it's just great to see. Your style, I think, lends itself to uh, that kind of promotional artwork style that you might see on the back of a box. Thank you. I,
7: I, uh, I do think of myself as an illustrator mm-hmm. first, so I'm very focused on doing a very elaborate, piece that really gets into the weeds of the details and texture, you know, a lot of artists don't really think about texture. I think a lot about texture. Yeah. Um, ironically, that particular set we're talking about, they wanted me to draw in a 1990s, uh, you know, style. retro style. That's interesting. So okay. if you look at it, it's all line art. It's got liquid style coloring. Uh-huh. Remember liquid yep. back in the day? Yep. Preeminent colorist, uh, colorist <laughs> house. Um, so I was trying very much to do something that that was reminiscent of that time.
2: Okay, I think you're succeeding. I, I really like it. Um, and so, are you a big Age of Apocalypse fan?
7: Oh yeah. 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 I mean, uh, when you know, we've been talking a lot about X Men recently because of you know this association yeah. with Age of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And my eras of, of X Men that I've really enjoyed were. You know the Jim Lee era when I started. Of course, that's, that's what got me into comics and art at and simultaneously all at the same time. Yeah, and then later on there was the Joe Madureira era. That was a big deal to me. You know, I, I, it wasn't. It, it proved to me that X Men wasn't just a one shot thing where only Jim Lee could do it
2: right. Right. You know, other people could come along and do X Men and it could still be awesome. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and they were actually just talking about this upstairs at the panel, that, like, the num- the, the artists as you go through, is kind of like the murderer's row of, like, yeah. amazing, you know, you're going from Byrne to, like, John Romita Jr. Sure. Through Sylvester, up yep. to Jim Jolie, and, you know, it just keep, it continues.
7: Absolutely. I mean, if, like, for the, for the longest time, X-Men is the book where you put your best Marvel artist. Yeah. Just time after time. And that continued for a long time. Um, after that, it was more the stories that mattered to me. I don't know whether it was because I was getting older or the artists I like weren't necessarily on the books, but you have the Morrison era, which was very important to me, and now Dawn of X under Hickman
2: is scratching that itch for me. Good. I'm glad you're really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so- What's next for you? I mean, you're doing uh, what I've seen a lot of lately is um, what we see in front of us on your table, which is the, uh, the Spider-Man variants. Um, are they tapping you to do, I, without spoiling anything that you yeah. can't talk about, are they, are they tapping you to do a lot of work? Yeah, I'm, I, fortunately,
7: I, I'm busier than ever. Good. Um, plenty of Marvel stuff. Uh, plenty of Hasbro stuff, thank God. You're working for Valiant, right? Doing, doing, some, doing some Valiant quant- stuff now, Quantum too. and Woody. Yep, but also Axel Man of War, Shadow Man, uh, Bloodshot. Very cool. Uh, all my old favorites, you know?
2: <laughs> well, it is great to see that you are uh, being so prolific and ubiquitous out there with the publishers. Um, Dave, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking some Thanks time. Thanks for
7: having me. Great talking with no you.
1: Guys, I'm here uh, at C2E2 with uh, creator Ed Brisson. You might know him from Uncanny X Men or Old Man Logan or Dead Man Logan or all the Glob Herman good stuff or X Force or the currently running New Mutants. Ed, how are you doing today? Doing okay. I'm doing, doing okay? okay. Yeah. Doing okay. To finally, get your flight in? I finally, after
8: 38 hours,
1: got here. Well, that's good. So, we want to talk to you. Uh, right now, you're working on New Mutants, which is started out with an interesting structure. Yes. <laughs> that is true. It it is true and now you're it's kind of coming together under you with the two teams a little bit smushing into their own little group here. Right. Yes. Now, I guess for, you know, moving forward, what would you say is the mission statement of this book? Where do you, you know, where do you see this book fitting in in the wider line?
8: I, I find that it, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find a place for the New Mutants while they're trying to find their place. Like, find where they fit into this new sort of uh, uh, world that they're living in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they they can't be, like, you know, backup X-Men forever. So I right. want them to have... You know, they're trying to stretch their legs and, and sort of exercise their own autonomy. Uh, they're largely uh, running under the... Uh, the motto of uh, "easier to bake forgiveness and ask permission," mm-hmm. and uh, so they're kind of where they see a need, they're going out and trying to fill it, and uh, causing I think causing some problems for mutants along the way uh, as sort of an uh, incidental blowout from it. So, well, so they're, they're well intentioned, but uh, you know there's going to be fallout coming that's like slowly building with the books mm-hmm. uh, that will that will sort of land on their doorstep. That's good. That's
1: good. Now. You were one of, the, one of the writers who had been working on the books before the big Krakoa shake-up. Yes. How would you describe the difference in mindset? Because, I mean, the editorial teams mostly stayed the same. Yeah. So jumping from that paradigm to the new one, how's that been like from a writing standpoint, from a working collaborative standpoint?
8: It's been interesting because it's, uh, in a lot of ways, it's now a lot more restrictive, mm-hmm. but also weirdly freeing. And um, that, you know, I think we can do things with the mutants that we've never done before. Right. Um, we would push them in different ways. I think, like, you know, it's... Uh, I feel like, I guess, one sort of complaint about X-Men in the past is that it always seemed to be uh, backward-looking, you know, mm-hmm. always, like, nodding to the past. Where this one, like, we're trying to push the future so it's more forward... Uh, forward progression with the stories. And, uh, you know, I think it's just... No, it's, it's just interesting that uh, you know we can mix and match. You know, have like bad guys together, uh, have uh, have old enemies sort of make peace and break bread together. And uh, but like in terms of like working on it, it's just you know beyond those rules. It's, it's the same. It's, it, for me, it's just X Men. You know, I just right. I just adjust myself to the rules and sort of push forward. And uh, and it doesn't feel a ton different, other than you know you got Jonathan looking over your shoulder, which <laughs> nobody wants. Trust me. No,
1: that's good. Now, ex-adjacent uh, to you is uh, the Ghostwriter book that you've been writing right now, which yes. is starring uh, starring Johnny Blaze as the King of Hell.
8: That's right, I guess people can't see nods on the podcast, but yes, that's Yes, right. yes, <laughs> yes,
1: it, it is an audio medium. Yes. Uh, and recently, you've, uh, you've brought in his brother in an interesting role, especially as a callback to a pretty classic storyline, I know my co-host Adam loves it, uh, the uh, Hearts of Darkness. Yes. What brought that? As you know, you want to go back and say, "Let's go, let's go do Hearts of Darkness,"
8: and or riff off of that. It was a little bit of uh, a little bit of editorial, like was like we were looking at things we could do, mm-hmm. but also I'm trying to remember what issue was is that, so I don't Five. spoil Five. It's the, fir-
1: the first one of that. Uh, he is the spirit of corruption, and right. there was like a murder or something.
8: Yes. Okay. So uh, yeah, so I haven't I haven't really gotten into the the. The black heart of it all, yeah, but yeah, uh, he showed up. He, he showed up at the very end, right? Yeah, he was like, "I'm here." But really, like, we want to play around with like the uh, the hell hell's not technically up for grabs, though. I think all the people who want to sit on the throne are treating it right. as though it is up for grabs, and so uh, with the hearts of darkness is a way for us to bring Blackheart into it uh, because you know it's clear now that Lilith is trying to remove Johnny from the throne, and really Blackheart you know, if Mephisto's not on it, Blackheart feels that Blackheart should be on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's the Prince of Hell. It, right. It, it's by right his. So uh, yeah, we just needed we needed a way to bring in Blackheart, and, and doing Hearts of Darkness again seemed like the right way. Uh, yeah, just it seemed like you know, a nice throwback. We're doing like a lot of nods to '90s stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, the '90s Ghost Rider was my introduction. You you were a Danny Ketch guy. I was a catch guy first. I, I, I love Johnny Blaze. But catch catches my intro to it. All the Howard Mackie stuff was my intro to it. Awesome. And so I've been trying as much as possible to to nod to a lot of the 90s stuff and and where we can pull on threads from the 90s and, and sort of weave it into the story that we're telling here, do that. And you know, Hearts of Darkness obviously fits quite well with that. Now,
1: one last question because I couldn't leave this without talking about the boy. Uh, Glob Herman. Yes. You've done more for Glob Herman. I like to think than any creator beforehand. I've got to ask, why do you want him to be sad all the time? Why do you want him to sit under mistletoe and just wait for someone to finally come and love him?
8: I don't want to. I want him to be happy, <laughs> but he's just—you know—we just gotta find a way for him to be happy. But you know, in a lot of ways, he's the Charlie Brown of the X-Men, right? Like, right. Uh, Charlie Brown never really gets to be happy, and uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll see a happy Glob one day. I've. Uh, in upcoming issues of New Mutants, I've given him a new hobby. So uh, he returns.
1: The boy does return. Oh yeah, he, he, he's back. Um, half the podcast loved this. Half the podcast hated it. Yeah,
8: they don't like. They're not Glob fans.
1: I, I like to think you're, you either love Glob or you cannot stand Glob, and there is no middle ground.
8: I don't know how you can have a heart and not like Glob. Absolutely. Ed, thank you so much yeah, for your no time. Problem. Really
1: no
2: appreciate problem. it. All right, we are here with Matt Horak, uh, comic book or- artist extraordinaire. Matt, for uh, some of our Battle of the Atom listeners who may not be familiar with your work, where can people find you? W- what are you best known for?
9: Uh, I drew The Punisher with Becky Cloonan for about a year, and then Spider Man Deadpool for about a year. Drew both of those books till so they were canceled. And- All right, now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. You don't feel like responsible for no, that, right? No, no. Of course not.
9: It's just how things go.
2: Okay, so um, we were... Zach and I are here. We were just uh, flipping through some of your work. You have uh, almost like a chameleon-like ability yeah. to uh, mimic other styles. How, how do you go about doing that?
9: Um, i I've always, like, trying to tinker with people's styles and figure out how they do what they do and take what I can take from it. And then I just... Do my best. See if, see if I can. Actually, often I'll go look for a video and see if I can find a video of them actually drawing to oh, see okay. if I can see what they're doing or, or glean something from their approach. But then, I mean, it's obviously like I, I did the Prisoner X uh, fill-in pages and I did some Moon Knight fill-in pages and tried to match both those artists. And I was much closer to Herman Peralta's style than Ibrahim Mustafa. So sometimes it's easier than others.
2: Yeah, I, I would think that there's a little bit of a, a daunting feeling when you have to follow up Herman Peralta. Yeah, uh, I mean that that series was a personal fave of ours. Um, we That's absolutely a good one. loved it, and mm-hmm. you did a, a very spectacular job in finishing that up. So, Thank you. Uh, you know, what was that experience like working with Vita to uh, finish up Prisoner X? It
9: was great. It was one of those things where I read all the rest of the issues when they asked me to come do the, the fill-in pages and. It was a really good book and and basically my pages were the climax of the book so Mm -hmm. i i I felt a lot of pressure to to stick the landing for him (laughs) and not let him down but and herman's work um he works with washes and i've used washes a few times and like like i was saying looking at his work i could kind of see i could see the bones i could see how it worked so it's easy for me and like i said thankfully i had some experience with washes so it worked thankfully <laughs>
2: so um when you're doing your pages we're talking traditional materials or do you work digital
9: for the most part i do i basically do my layouts and my pencils digitally and then print them out and oh that's interesting and do traditional finishes okay unless i run out of time and then i, I have done digital finishes sometimes
2: that's interesting so what are you using to do your your baseline uh you know penciling on procreate procreate? procreate on
9: an ipad Yeah. okay yeah yeah, so you're
2: like full on tablet digital.
9: Yeah, yeah. I mean, i i use I use Photoshop, so I move the files back and forth from yep. Photoshop to layout because Procreate doesn't have good measuring tools. That's a very good point. It needs, yeah.
2: needs some better rulers. In there, it does. Right?
9: It does. For guides. So that's one thing. And but so I'll set my I'll set my everything in Photoshop, and then bring the template over and draw, and then bring it back to Photoshop to finalize it and print it out. So oh, that's great. Yeah.
2: Um, so when you're working in traditional, like, what kind of materials are you using to finish off a page?
9: Um, all kinds of stuff. Mostly markers, though. Okay. Uh, Tombow brush pens and, and microns and Posca paint pens and whatever else I can find, you know? I, I also like these... Um, like the micron number two, which like the calligraphy pen, like the uh, wedge yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like using that. I get different textures with that. Okay. So, but I mix in a bunch of different stuff. I I learned a regular dip brush and dip pen before, but I don't have the patience for that. That's a over that's a
2: daunting skill uh, to say the least, Not right? Not to
9: mention you lose you lose especially a brush. You lose that ability to ink with a brush pretty quickly if you don't do it regularly. So. Yeah,
2: it, it definitely takes. And then you run the risk of ruining. Your, your page, right?
9: Yes. More <laughs> um, than I ruined them already.
2: Do you, do you have you had that happen where you, you've destroyed a page? Mid,
9: yeah, mid-flight. Usually, usually I'll make the decision early enough that like I won't get that far and waste that much yeah. before I I retool things. And that's one of the reasons I do so much penciling and preliminary work on the iPad is the flexibility to change it. There's so many times I'm teaching comics to. to now at oh really a, yeah where cleveland, are you teaching cleveland institute of art oh that's great yeah yeah it's pretty crazy i went there for one year i shouldn't tell the story but whatever <laughs>
0: uh
9: i went there for one year and i was on disciplinary and academic probation when okay I left and now i'm teaching there. At... hey yeah
2: you're a good role model
9: <laughs> i haven't told the students yet okay but um a lot of them are illustration students or concept designers so they haven't they don't really have that much comics experience yeah so I talk about, like, when you're breaking down a script, often I'll, like, one one panel or one image will... I'll see it in my head. Like, I'll know how to frame that one. And I'll use that panel. Like, I'll do that one first and then build the rest of the page around it. Yeah. You know, have find myself an anchor, even if it's a small panel. And so many times digitally, I'll do that and then I'll end up abandoning that layout entirely and that first image I had in my head, I don't end up using. Or I save it and move it and change it around. So, I don't know. It's... I... I Anytime I have to just do it, just pencil on just paper now, it's I'm like I don't remember. A little, a little bit daunting, right? Yeah.
2: I um, so we're primarily an X Men podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've worked with Deadpool, who's X Men adjacent. right? Mm-hmm. We would never mm-hmm. refer to him as an X Men mm-hmm. uh, for purists. Mm-hmm. But um, is there an X property that is like your personal favorite that you'd love to work on it someday? Um, all of them. All of them. <laughs> I'm, I mean, that was my
9: favorite comic when I was. a Oh, kid. okay. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the '80s, so. The, uh, you know, Ramita Silvestri, mm. into the Jim Lee stuff. Um, so I would love all that. Brown suit Wolverine, brown suit Logan. There you go. <laughs> I, I keep seeing Benjamin Piercy around here and I'm like, hey, Yeah, buddy, just
2: nudge him a little hey, bit, buddy, right? You guys
9: need a fill-in. Call me up. And I just <laughs> did a couple Wolverine commissions that, and it's really fun. I love drawing him all chonky and looking like a big baby.
2: Yeah, I don't love reading Wolverine as much as I like drawing him. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he's so much fun to draw. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, um, I hope no you have problem. a great convention, man, and thank I wish you, you luck you in the too. future.
9: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Guys, we are here at the end of day two of C2E2. Uh, this is Zach. I am standing here with Ben Percy, writer of Wolverine. And uh, what's the other? X Force. It's really good. I think about it all the time. Ben, how are you doing today?
3: I'm good. Thanks for talking to me about the mutants.
1: So, Ben, first thing we got to just get this elephant out of the room. You have a really deep voice. Have you had that your
3: entire life? yeah i came out of the wound sounding like this that's Wah. good that's good that's good that's <laughs> the doctor slapped me and then i punched the doctor that, uh, that's an exciting I mean, truth you think you think this is you should hear my grandma that's very good
1: now this deep voice and the beard and the general canadian aesthetic that goes really well with writing up everyone's favorite knucklehead a wolverine you just yeah. knocked out the first issue correct
3: that's right, and he is my spirit animal. I know this sounds a bit corny, but it's a dream come true writing it because I've been following Wolverine stories my whole life. You've so been, I'm really grateful to be, you know, putting be a custodian of everybody's favorite knucklehead for a while.
1: That's good. Now, the structure of the book you're doing, it's kind of split into two stories, correct? At least, at least the up front one with uh, a yeah, you know, legendary artist. Uh, Adam, Adam, Kuber. Huber. Adam, Huber. I, look, Adam and Andy, they shouldn't have had A names. It's a real problem.
3: They both did X-Men. I keep throwing it through. And then Rising Star, Victor Bogdanovich. That's exciting. So exotic. the way that we wanted to throw out this first issue is, you know, if you pick up your standard first issue, 20 pages, mm-hmm. people are like, I think this is good. Right. But we wanted to, you know, smack people across the face with something substantial. Right. Like, this is 80 pages of mayhem. And... It's tonally variant, you know, with Adam I built a crime story that has kind of a Michael Mann vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Victor Bogdanovich story which is more shadow soaked and horror tinged.
1: Yeah, there's Dracula in it.
3: That's right. You know, I've always been interested in villains that are dark mirrors to the protagonists. And you see and you see Dracula as a dark mirror to Wolverine. I do, because he, like Wolverine, is eternal. And so the question is if you have these people who have a stake in the world, a long-term stake in the world. Right.
1: Dracula you know, doesn't like those, but go on. <laughs>
3: well, right exactly. Uh, how, you know, how are they going to how are they going to make use of their time here? Mm. And in the case of Dracula, there's also the question of Wolverine's blood. Right. And how it could be of use to him.
1: That's uh that data page at the end did throw some people for a loop about how he has eternal mutant blood or whatever he's got nowadays. That's right. That's exciting. Now, would you consider uh, what would you consider the best Wolverine versus Dracula story before yours? Obviously, there is a wrong answer and there is a right answer.
3: <laughs> well, all I'm going to say is that I'm not looking to do any sort of greatest hits, you know, cover band. Uh, you know nonsense in my in my approach to Wolverine. I want to tip my hat to the legacy of the character and all the great creators who came before me. But I'm look, you know, we are looking, Adam and Victor and I, to make this our run. Your run. That's
1: exciting to hear. Now, switching gears over to X Force. You got a big team here. You got a big team of the mutant CIA. How have you been trying to manage that? I know you've been jumping around a couple different storylines, a couple
3: different groups of the team. But well, the you- dangerous thing about any team book is that you can thin out characterization. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's essential to do both a macro and a micro uh, you know, sort of, sort, of, sort of vision of the team, where here I have big moments with everybody, and then I go and spotlight a character and really dig into them psychologically. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing that right now with Domino. Right. You'll see that later on with Quentin Quire. We're going to get some of the Pink Boy. Oh yeah. It's exciting. It's time for some reinvention. Reinvention of Quentin Quire. I think that is quite an idea here. Hey, we've got a paradigm shift right, with Krakoa, and it's time for this character to maybe reassess who he is and how he's perceived.
1: That is exciting to hear. Now, the last project that you had that just came out recently, I was a big fan of it. We're talking about Weapon Plus World War IV, all about manslaughter. He's
3: the man thing with a Gatling gun. Of course, it looks like World War IV, but if you look at it a little carefully, just like the title of Jordan Peele's Us, which can be read as U.S., World War IV.
1: Yeah, I'm really mad at Chris Robinson for all that. <laughs> I, I've, told him, I've told him how that and the Venom one being five is just like, I don't like it, yeah, but yeah, it's very yeah. good.
3: Yep, yep. Well this is the first appearance of, of the character and though I can't say anything, might be more coming. Might and, be more coming. And you know, if you look at what's going on with this character and his power set, and you look at what's going on with biotech on Krakoa, it seems like there might be an inevitable collision.
1: That is exciting to hear. I know there's a lot of people who are looking forward to it. Uh, anything else you want to pitch while I got you on the mic here? Anything that uh, anything that you want to make sure people know about that's coming up from you?
3: I just want to say thanks to all the fans who are checking out Wolverine and X-Force. It really means the world to me. Awesome. Hey, Ben, thank you for your
1: time. Thank you. All right, we are here
2: with Adam Gorham. Uh, you know him best as the artist of the amazing... New Mutants, Dead Souls. Adam, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> uh, it is my great pleasure. Uh, you are, I think, one of our favorite artists. Um, you've become synonymous with the character that you're working on a commission with right now. Um, you're drawing <laughs> Ileana, mm-hmm. Uh complete with some, some armor, and she's got her soul sword. Um, right. Can you talk a little bit about what this
10: character means to you? Well, uh, it's... Um I guess, kind of a love story. Like, I, growing up, I, I was an X-Men fan growing up, but really didn't get into New Mutants ever, to be honest. Um, like, I, a lot of these characters I would, you know, know about or, or would get impressions from because they appeared in other titles. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that the first time that I ever really uh, read a comic that featured Ilyana was... Um, uh, an Age of Apocalypse story where Colossus oh. goes to rescue her from the yeah. Sugarman's dungeon. One of the best. Yeah. Generation Next. That's right. All-time and, classic. Um, and so that was really my first, the first thing, memory I have of ever reading her in a comic. Um, and I, you know, I would get hand-me-down books from different people who were unloading stuff. And so there were New Mutants, you know, books within that. But I never, ever read, like, a complete run or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so fast forward years later, when I would work on the title, uh, talking with Matt Rosenberg about what we wanted for the book and what we were trying to go for, um, I, I got to talk about the character a lot, and, um, and so that's when I kind of you know, saw her through you know, um, how, what she was known to be already, but also what we wanted her to be in our series. And so it was, that was a really cool opportunity to, like, get to know her as a person because, um, you know, this is like she was in the leadership role, um, but also kind of have some fun with her in terms of, like, style and, um, you know, like, it's fun to think of a character not just in terms of, like, their abilities on a team, but also what what do they, you know, what do they enjoy when they're not on the clock? Um, <laughs> who are they when they're, like, in their downtime? and that was something that we got to show a little bit, um, but certainly Matt and I had talks about that in a larger sense,
2: privately. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you just mentioned with the, the design of Ileana in that series, because I think you did have some heads turned, uh, especially with the way uh, you clipped her bangs, Yeah. Um, just presented her in a more classic format when um, people have been very used to the Bendis-era Bachalo
10: design for, for a while. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, like I, I'm not, it was obviously nothing against that. It was just me wanting to try something different and wanting to set our book apart from what had already, you know, been established. Um, so I was in the process of working on character designs with my editor, Darren, working, and I, this was just from a pure costume perspective, but I felt like the costumes weren't enough. We, like I wanted like a... Uh, a more uniform, uniform. Yes. Um, so, you know, something like jumpsuits that they would all be wearing, but obviously, uh, to set them apart, I uh, wanted to give them each a little something. So, I mean, at one point, I was trying, to, I was trying so hard to give Strong Guy a beard throughout. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were just not having it, and it was like, you know, and Matt, I think, gave Strong Guy a mustache and um, his, uh, his uh, what was it? The I, I the title escapes me now. At any at any rate, um, so I was looking for to like lean into Ilyana's goth sensibilities, and um, one of the things in the bank with the banks in particular, one of the things that kind of drove that home for me was my own daughter who had, for some reason, decided to cut her hair oh. in class. Uh, so she, I picked her up from school one day and was like, "What's up with your hair?" And she was like, cut and "I cut them. I cut my hair with." Safety scissors, and it was just like kind of crooked. Yeah, kind of. It was like roughly hewn. It was. It wasn't even like clear cross either. It was like she clearly had started and then panicked and gave up and just hoped that I wouldn't notice. Yeah. And there was just something about that that um, that I wanted to like. I just between me and my daughter, it was such a nice moment, and I wanted to kind of bring that into what I was working on. It. So it was a small epiphany that she was responsible for. Um, and that kind of got the ball rolling with how I wanted her look to be and like I wanted to, so the bangs was a departure, um, I wanted to kind of uh, get rid of her eyebrows, um, so I, you know, like I, um, you know, my partner has fair eyebrows and so it made sense for me to, like, for if somebody who's like, you know, stark blonde to, like, you know, to, just to render them in black seemed wrong, so... I would either make them really wispy, like suggest them, or just not have them at all. Um, and then I, that, that I felt would kind of draw you to her eyes more than anything else. Um, and so, you know, in, a, in my own sketchbooks, I played around a lot with like her eye makeup, which I had like either black or like red. Um, and like the red, I remember like doing like a color note with like a red pencil crayon and stuff. So with the red eyeshadow and whatever, it made it look like she'd been pepper sprayed. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I'm kind of into, but I can see why they wouldn't want. Yeah. That. So I pushed it as far as I could go, and it was really when she was in her like in her civilian clothes, we're uh, at that in the funeral scene uh, where you know she got to really goth out. But um, I'd like to think that it carried no matter what.
2: Absolutely. Um, can you talk a little bit about your technique? Um, looking your sketchbook right now Um, we've got a blue line pencil under um, underneath and then we're using brush pens
10: yeah I I I can be I I change up a lot but I mean for my base sketch I'll use blue line um, in some case even red line like a red pencil count Uh Um, and sometimes I will use pencil but whenever I draw something in pencil I feel compelled to erase it afterwards and that can lead to some you know like smudging of ink or you know like the ink fades a little bit so I avoid that and I feel like with the with the blue under underneath like it kind of makes the black lines pop a little bit more Sure, like it's got this like 3d effect to it so I've gotten a lot more comfortable just doing that and then um I'm using uh, a Copic Multiliner soft brush pen, which I don't use a lot, to be honest. I normally use a, um, a Pentel ink brush with a cartridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just so happens that my cartridge is dying at oh, the moment. No. I've brought backups, but I just, you know, like I'll, I have a kit and I tend to just grab whatever is nearest in reach and work with it, yeah. and different tools will bring out different aspects uh, uh, of, a, of my drawing ability. Um, but I'm, you know, feeling comfortable with this so far. Now, as someone who works digitally
2: uh, myself, mm-hmm. I am always amazed when you post progress videos, process videos of you doing your inking, um, yeah. because you are often using uh, either, you know, an actual brush or a brush pen and doing these very, very delicate things with that brush. And I'm always like saying a little prayer, whatever you're gonna, you know, and some people are are commenting, oh, this is so relaxing. And I don't know, for me, it's like very anxiety inducing to watch. So um, what is it for you? you? Do you find the process of of inking like
10: restful or is it uh, a little bit of a, a blood pressure raiser for you it's you know it's both at different times and a lot of it just comes down to how well how well I see it or how how you know how much I thought ahead um, so I sometimes you know inking is very joyful and blissful and I just relax it's very really soothing and then other times like I'm clenching my jaw I'm gritting my teeth and it's kind of like I'm, I'm watching every line and I suppose it just depends on how precious something is to me at the time, Yeah. That's or awesome. whether like I'm in the, you know, if I put my house, put myself in a headspace where it's like, you know, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. So it just depends on either like you know what I'm drawing, how how much I care about it, or whether I've talked myself into thinking like you know, it's going to be good no matter what. <laughs> um, that's but, a good idea. You yeah. yeah. into that headspace. But, you know, you'll talk, you'll hear people talk about sculpting as if like. You know, the the sculpture was always in that block of Yeah, So sometimes I think, I'll try to think like, well, the drawing's already there. Just making it happen. That's good. Um, I
2: want to talk to you briefly about your sensibility. Um, I think the biggest work that people might know you from for the last year is not a Marvel property, but you've been working on Punk Mambo. Yeah. Um, I feel like your art in general has kind of a punk sensibility to it. And I'm curious if you agree with that. Um, and, and whether you feel like you bring that
10: to uh, the work that you do, uh, I don't know if I, because I, I'm I myself like I wouldn't consider myself to be like a punk. I okay. <laughs> I'm super square. I'm not very interesting, and I'm like you could still be punk and not be super interesting. Well, <laughs> I suppose so, but I, I guess I'm I'm a pretty mellow guy, and I just I, you know, that's not what I if I were to s- describe myself. Punk would not be it, but um, I think. You know, comics and comic art is like, in a way, it's like inherently punk because it's you know like it's part of a counterculture, and a lot of you know a lot of ways that people get started in comics is just it's like it's a do-it-yourself mentality. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Like, there's no there's no comics corp that you go and submit a resume to. Like, you make books by just picking up whatever tools you have at your disposal in making them, and nobody asks you to do it. Um, nobody, and a lot of times, like a lot of people just don't believe in you. So people who make comics to me are like, they're all rock stars. Um, and in fact, some, a lot of times when people ask me how to break into comics or how to find comic work, I've likened it to starting a garage band, you know what I mean? Like you find your instrument, you learn to play it, you don't ask anybody's permission. Uh, and, you know, you just bang it out at home. And it might, you know, it might turn into something. It might not. Uh, you might play shows at bars or you might, like, you know, reach a place where you're playing stadiums. But the bottom line is, is that, like, anybody who chooses to do it can do it. And so, you know, like, I was kind of a do-it-yourselfer. Like, when I decided to when I decided to start making comics, like, I just went out and I found a gig and I just did it. And hoped that it would work out. And so... You know, I guess in a way, that's probably the most punk that I've ever gotten.
2: Um, (laughs) I think that's an amazing metaphor, though, you know, to to think about
10: it as that DIY, because it really is. Yeah, in my mind, it works. And I find that the people who are most passionate about it aren't doing it with, um, you know, like with high hopes of it becoming like a franchise or anything like that. They're just people who desperately want to tell stories, tell their stories, um, hopefully find an audience. And that's, like, that's, you know, a huge part of why I love comics and why I love being a storyteller is, is like, I, you know, like, it's, 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 it's a, it's, the medium is, is pure in that way. Yeah. Um, and, I you know, having worked on a character like Magic or Punk Mambo most recently, uh, it's funny because for a long time I was not very confident drawing women. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it was, like, something that I just, you know, like, I, you know, I, was easy for me to draw guys because like i could see you know i being uh, being a guy i had that to work with right away right, yeah i was familiar with that anatomy um and like if i wasn't so much familiar with like female anatomy and and so it would stump me sometimes and so all i so i had to really work at it and now i've at a place where i'm a lot more comfortable with it mm-hmm. but i remember there was a time where i would get nervous about having to draw you know women characters um and so that's you know i guess like the universe felt like no 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 you gotta you gotta you gotta gotta get into it yeah you gotta defeat that by sending me these projects so uh but i'm yeah i'm I'm happy that i've gotten to a place where it's like i these are characters that i guess i'm best known for yeah um because they're characters that i was a time i would have been frightened of doing so uh speaking of projects what can people expect from you in 2020 a lot of cool stuff, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, so at the moment I'm working on something with Valiant, um, which they'll announce, I'll let them announce okay, that, yep. but you can expect that in 2020. I've, I've done an issue of Savage Avengers, uh, number Ooh, 12, It's cool. coming up, and there's some really fun stuff there, um, featuring uh, Elektra, Doctor Strange, and Conan the Barbarian. Um, and I'm doing uh, uh, the 2020 Ninja Turtles Annual.
2: Oh, nice. Uh, which, oh, I think
10: I saw the cover for that. Yes, it was just released recently. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's really cool. It picks up um, some of the pieces from uh, you know, the Milestone issue, TMNT 100. Mm-hmm. Um, so and Tom Waltz is writing it, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, I'm also doing a ton of new cover work with, uh, I don't know if it's been released, announced yet per se, but... Um, with Vaults, I'll be doing, uh, uh, yeah, I'll be like a regular cover artist there, um, so that's going to be really cool. And then I've got um, some creator-owned stuff in the works Oh, all right. Uh, with some pretty fun writers. Very cool. Adam,
2: thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, just an amazing artist and uh, wish you nothing but the
1: best. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we are here on the con floor of C2E2 and I'm here with Vida Ayala. Vida. How are you doing today?
11: I'm doing fantastic. It has you? been so long since we got a chance to chat. Yeah, gosh, like a not a whole year it was maybe, but like Prisoner
1: like, X came out, I think.
11: And it's been almost yeah, yeah, like it's been like a year. Hey, you're doing a lot of good comics now. What's up with that? I uh, got really lucky, and I made a deal with the devil. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. As okay. you do. Um, yeah, you know, crossroads demon. No, I, uh, I'm very lucky that people continue to support me and so my editors also keep wanting to support me and give me more work and work with me.
1: That's good to hear. Now, let's talk about what you've got going on right now. Uh, that is, of course, the book everyone is excited about. Uh, Nebula, what's up with that? I'm having a great time. Lambrose <laughs> doing an incredible job on the art on that one.
11: She's she's one of my favorite artists working in comics, like period. like That's true. Uh, and to be able to work with her a second time... When someone we worked on a Wonder Woman story before, so like that, that was like one of the highlights of my career. But then being able to work on another book with women with beautiful shoulders and arms has just been a blessing. Um, And there will only be beefier, more arms. Just they're coming.
1: Look, you heard it here, folks. We're going to get some beefy arms in
11: Nebula. Yes. Uh, This is not a spoiler because they solicit covers three months in advance right but, right right uh, Ballista Grimm is in the series I got to steal her after Teeny was done with her uh, but I, it's been like 20 years or something so she's still very beefy but also like got that distinguished kind of gray gray patch that I'm super into so
1: that's exciting uh, yeah. let's get to the main event do you the atoms
6: come out? yeah yeah uh,
1: hey uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say a description of the book and I want you to tell me if any of these words are wrong <laughs> We
11: have... Blink twice.
1: Some disaster mutant teens.
11: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Okay, 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 okay. We, we're not going to go deeper onto that. Well,
11: we have disaster mutant... Te- I mean, that any X-Men book. Any X-Men
1: book <laughs> any is X-Men disaster Any X-Men book, that's
11: true. Teens. I really wish I could tell you, like even just about the first issue Mm -hmm. because you in particular I put something in there literally specifically for you
1: that's very heartwarming and Uh, now I'm very scared you will
11: you will know immediately and laugh I'm pretty
1: look I'm guessing that'll happen that's good Vita
11: I I wanted to do that for you (laughs) you will see but I wanted to do that for you that's very good issue one for you this has been
1: described as a bunch of X-Men fans who get to like be X-Men Yes. That's such a meta pitch. It's what I wanted.
11: <laughs> I, the very basic premise was not one that I uh, came up with myself. That mm-hmm. was my editor Chris uh, Robinson? Yes. Uh, but he was like, What does that look like to you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Well, there's Zoomers. So they grew up loving the X Men. Right. Like, in a way that like only millennials and Zoomers can love things. Are there, are there a lot of water bottle clips?
1: Do they still dab?
11: Oh, uh, if I could get away with doing a dab in there, I will do it. Uh, Gwenpool, like I was saying hey, on the panel. Someone
1: got to put a dab in Gwenpool, so you should yeah, be able to Yeah, but Gwenpool has a... got chaotic energy that, like. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
11: if I can do it, I will.
1: <laughs> you guys can't hear, but Leah is yelling at us. Uh, Leah Williams. Oh, are you doing an interview? We are you doing an interview right now. How's it going? Leah, your interview is like. I was going to ask you next. Oh. I just went All out. All right some sometime this weekend. Also, they won't be able to hear you both on the same mic. That's true. I can just tell you that right now. Are you sure? Yeah, no, no, you guys. guys. That's Leah
11: Williams. And I guess this was <laughs> the end of the episode secret teaser content. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> You're fine. I don't remember what I said. Oh. If I can get a dab, I will. Uh, like I was saying on the panel, which I am now sanctioned to say because I said it in public yeah, so can Yeah, can't no, me. it's already tweeted. Uh, yeah, like these kids, like one of them has a TikTok, one of them has a fitness Insta, one of them has... One of them is just you. Okay, <laughs> um, well that's,
1: that's disturbing on several levels. Uh,
11: you know, they they. one of the things that I wanted to do was explore the different ways that kind of, that contemporary fandom work mm-hmm. and how fandom isn't just about consuming, it's about creating and that's right. really that's really important to me as a person. that's why I've made it so long <laughs> as a human being and also a lot of people that I know uh, and respect. and so I wanted to incorporate that as much as possible in the book. and so I was like, well, how do you do that fun you know in a way that can look bombastic and dynamic on a page And I was like, yeah they're all they're all little internet goblins <laughs> <Like> they, <laughs> that's what they do. One of them is a twitch streamer <laughs> like this.
1: This feels like a book very specifically made for the most feral of X-Men fans.
11: You know, one of the things that Jonathan Hickman, Papa Hickman, said that I immediately... <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Uh, that I immediately really kind of took to heart was that mm-hmm. for for this new wave of X-Men, for, for the dawn of X, there's a book for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what X-Men should be. Right. I think that it's not necessary to make everybody happy with every book. I think that you should do your book, whatever it is, very well. And the people that will love it will love it. And I wanted I wanted a book for the feral people. <laughs> I mean, Leah also has a book for the feral people.
1: Well, that's important. That's important.
11: But I wanted to bring that that kind of energy to the book because, you know we have the magic book we have the main book that's like a family book we have like we have all kinds of stuff but I'm the kid they asked us last night on the panel or yesterday on the panel what area of Krakowa we would live on and I was like I've been thinking about this since I saw the map it's it's the wild hunt mm-hmm. that's what I want so I was like alright how do I bring that energy to this book that's I, want, I want my people and there was someone in the audience it was one of the handlers actually that was just like yes yes I was like see
1: we're everywhere that's very good very good now, anything else you got coming up that you want to plug real quick while we're doing? I know you got Quarter Killers going through Comixology. Uh... Yeah,
11: that's going to come out in trade soon. It will okay. be available uh, print on demand, but not super expensive. Uh, good quality, but not expensive. So you can actually bring it home. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. What else? Uh, Mor- Morbius is an ongoing so if you like sad, scary vampires, but
1: he doesn't have the mouth hands though. That's and he, he never have, will. That's a he nightmare. He doesn't and have I the do terrible like mouth it.
11: mouth hand suckers. No, I don't want it. I, that makes me I, it makes me want to curl up like you a bug. You
1: give him all the other body horror stuff. Yes. But not not the terrible mouth hands. No,
11: no mouth hands. That that messed me up as a child. <laughs> I have not been okay for a long time. Um, yeah, if you like that kind of stuff, I try I try to have uh, books that are very different coming mm-hmm. out in the same time period so that if you like my stuff, you still have, you know, things that you can read. Like, if you're not into vampires, I have a space book. I have Nebula. If you're not into that, I have X-Men. And,
12: you know, if you're not into that, I
11: have James Bond with Danny Lore. Which... That's right. That's right. So You're doing the James Bond stuff. Yeah, that's super exciting. Well, that's
1: awesome. Well, Vita, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I hope you have you. a great convention. Thank you. All right, I am here with Jerry Dugan. Is it Dugan? Dugan. Dugan. Okay,
2: just want to make sure I'm saying it right. Sure. Um, we've got Marauders already uh, as kind of establishing, in a weird way, uh, a lot of the geography of the island, the the politics behind the scenes of the island. Um, are you, are you the sole architect of that, or do you feel like that's a more of a collaborative thing?
12: Oh, I think it's it's been very collaborative from the beginning, Jonathan. You know, I, I thought I was going to do I knew I wanted to do a pirate story. I suspected it would have been something I would have exploited outside Marvel because I couldn't imagine doing <laughs> right. a pirate book Who's at Marvel. Gonna be the pirates? But then I heard Jonathan's story and was like, Oh my gosh, like this could work. Uh I pitched it to Jonathan and Jordan and C B and uh it landed well and uh But then Jonathan obviously accommodated it. And so, you know, in fact, he's, you know, he really started setting my table in the, in the minis, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, which was wonderful. And, um, you know, I've been a, the X-Men have always been my jam. That was, I, you know, I have muty blood in my veins. And uh, so I I really wanted to uh, write these characters. I knew that we could sort of pivot the the Hellfire Club into something bigger, Uh, and 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 it's landed. We have a lot of rope. I mean, uh, we're we're here in Chicago to meet the fans and sign a lot of comics, but we're we're also staying behind and uh, staying after. And uh, you you guys have a retreat. Yeah, we're gonna plan plan more. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, you know, thank you to everyone who took a chance on a book that I, I. don't think you probably could have understood when we asked you to order it. You know, <laughs> both the fans and the retailers. Um, you know, it, you didn't have the context yet to sort of understand what we were swinging for. Uh, but it's been a it's been a blast. You know, we we try to have fun uh, behind the scenes so that our artists have fun so that the readers have fun, and uh, I'm very glad we, everyone seems to have their sea legs right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, One
2: character who may not have her sea legs is uh, Kate Pride. Yeah, rest
12: Um, rest in peace, Kate. Just
2: saw a fan come up and and say that he had trust that that was going to go to his favor, uh, and that Kate would come back some day. I'm not so sure.
12: Uh, (laughs) Should fans be worried? (laughs) Uh, I think any time... I'm writing a character you like a lot. You should probably worry. Uh, <laughs> it's my job to torture these characters. Uh, in Kate's case, it broke my heart to, uh, I guess, be Shaw's accomplice. Um, but, but uh, I think, you know, there's still some things to play out. Uh, you know, we've seen maybe some misdirected anger from uh, Iceman in the most recent issue, or not, Um, you know, there were certainly, obviously, uh, Verendi was there Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, uh, steal her DNA, and, you know, God only knows what what would happen out of that, so they weren't blameless, but, uh, you know, Shaw hasn't been caught yet, Shaw may not be caught, Uh, Kate... We're just, the, her friends are just finding out that, uh, about what's happened, and uh, you know, readers have been ahead of the mutants in that regard, and uh, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say you guys are out of the rough water yet. Okay,
2: all right, so we've got more rough things to come. Um, When I encountered your work for the first time, because I wasn't a Deadpool reader, was with your Uncanny Avengers run. Ah, Uh, I loved that run. Thanks. Uh, And your take on cable there was a really uh, fun one, especially with the the talking arm. Um.
12: Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) Uh, I I liked Bell a lot. Um, You know, it only made sense to me that there would be a, you know, it's obviously a, a piece of almost absurdly high technology you know, why wouldn't it have uh, an onboard AI to help navigate and help direct? Uh, so, uh, you know, the Uncanny uh, Avengers was a real gift, you know, to uh, be asked by Tom to fit, uh, follow Rick and uh, play with some of those toys. That was, at the time, I assumed that was going to be my only dance with the mutants. Uh, you know, I, I knew I was going on to uh, to Guardians after. And mm-hmm. Um, uh, but writing Rogue and Deadpool and Cable together, along with uh, you know some of those other wonderful characters, I really got a, a taste for uh, Voodoo there. Uh, some of my favorites, and some of those characters that I want to continue to revisit. So, Well, my compliments to you. I mean, during the time,
2: Thanks. I think it felt like the most X-Men book, when I, I don't know what my favorite X-Men book uh, was at the time. Um, well, now, you know, oh, I also
12: I had a murderer's row of, of well, talent. You had, though you had I Pepe launched with, with you too. yeah, I launched with Ryan, and then and then Pepe took over for Ryan, and you know, it felt very good to be able to handle the story of uh, Red Skull having Xavier's brain in Uncanny Avengers, being that they were that's such it's business between X Men and Avengers. Yeah. That, that, uh, you know, it's a it's a nice it was a nice bit, bit of real estate, and uh, I thought the way that I left it was wonderful. And then when Jim Zub took over and finished that volume uh, with his collaborators, I think that's a really special book. Uh, have they ever put that in a hardcover? I don't know that I they. I don't know if you have ever
2: gotten an omnibus out yeah. of there, but it deserves it. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, write your senators. <laughs> now you're coming back to cable again. Yeah, uh, albeit a. I don't want to say a maligned version of the character, but there has been pushback on uh, what some fans call "dial-up"
12: uh, <laughs> team cable. But um, we, did I, see- I gotta, I gotta be honest though. I could give two sh. I mean, okay. It's my job to do what I'm, what I know I should be doing. And if I gave you guys what you thought you wanted, it would not be what you wanted. Uh, you know, we have to have the, uh, you know ability to change things and uh you know i'd written a lot of old man cable i don't think i would have necessarily just said yes to an old man cable book yeah i think it's
2: exciting uh if only because i think if anybody can handle this it's you uh you you definitely have the the experience to to uh nail this particular character and i'm i'm excited because yesterday during the X-Men panel, you guys let somebody read it, and he finished by saying, you've sold me on Team Cable.
12: Uh, that was cool, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope he wasn't just being nice to my face. And uh, But yes, here's the thing. You're all going to love Cable because I think it does some unexpected things, but also Phil Noto is a god amongst men. I agree. You're going to read and love it for that. So... Um, you know you're you're gonna forget that I'm that I'm holding him back and plus there's cheesesteaks in space so uh. <laughs> <laughs> that one has a very specific um, story thread that, uh, oh, really? yeah there's okay. like a, you know there's a little bit of action that takes place in Philly and uh, it's this very 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 funny scene one of the funniest things that I've written and that Phil just crushed and then the cheesesteak is just sort of like, of course you were going to get a cheesesteak while you, you went to were in Philly. <laughs> uh, and obviously they're at that point having a moment about what the kids are up to, uh, which is a lot of fun. Right. Uh, a lot of fun. And, of course, if you hate Team Cable, fuck off. But <laughs> while you're off, you can also uh, be rest assured that Deadpool may have your back. I was so. going to say,
2: he's going to be the
12: antagonist, so we'll get a little bit of a back and forth there, I'm sure. I, uh, it's, uh, that was fun. I did not ever want to write Deadpool again, but uh, I couldn't say no after I agreed to write Cable, so... Yeah, he's
2: got it. He's got to pop up. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for taking some of time. Of course, uh, I am happy to see Long Lines uh, praising your yeah, work this up and down. Been
12: nuts, so uh, I, I, uh... I usually try and walk around and see some friends in Artist Alley, but uh, I've been kept busy, which is very good. It is. I'm doing something that I love doing that I'm not entitled to do, but I get to do it because I get to do it. Well, so. keep up the good work, man. Cheers, bud. Thank you so
1: much. Hey, everyone. We're here at C2E2, and I'm with yeah. Leah, and we're going to do this interview finally. Dang it. What's up,
13: Leah?
0: Hey, Leah Webb. She's a comic book
1: writer. You know her. She's been on the podcast.
0: Yeah.
13: Love like, you guys. Yeah, you're great, too. We we tend to like bookmark the different stages in my career with a Battle of the Atom interview. Okay, yeah. We did that... one at the very beginning, um, and one right it was before, before extremists. extremists. Yeah. yeah, but there was one before then.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was. We did a uh, gold. Gold. Then we did extremists.
13: Yeah. And now pre X Factor.
1: Now now it's now it's pre X Factor. Perfect. Yeah, it's the right time. Now let's talk about X Factor. So you got sure. the mutant resurrection squad. I do. Uh, i boys on this one. We got a swole daddy deckhand. Yes, yes. Uh, What's up with this book?
13: What a broad question. I know, I'm bad at you.
1: You've done this so many times. How do you not know? Uh, What are you most excited about for this book? How about we, let's get it a little closer. You you got a lot. You can't say everything, and that's fine. But what are you excited about bringing to the table on this, this X Factor of Investigating Dead Bodies and Souls?
13: Thank you for your specificity. I know exactly how to answer this now. I, uh, what makes me feel... Like strongest moving forward and, and most uh, confident is actually the fact that I am providing so many answers. <laughs> I am clearing up so many things and exploring a lot of the nuance with resurrection, with Kokoan culture, with developing mutant culture, and all of the changing attitudes about this. I get to be the book that gives these things platform and makes them matter.
1: So it's like Hickman and then you. And
13: then everyone no. else in terms of importance. Is that what I'm hearing? Um, I mean, to me. <laughs> so, okay. This is my favorite book in the lineup, which is actually saying something. My favorite Age of X-Men book is Vita's. It's yeah, Prisoner Person
1: X. Vita um, and Herman Peralta.
13: Amazing. They did amazing work. Yep. Um, but I am so in love with this book x-factor and i've been getting pages from david we just got colors back on the david bowdy on your artist on this yes who um we like trauma bonded during Gwynplaine strikes back right which was a very it was a brutally just a brutal creative boot camp for us and we went through it together came out the other side way stronger and now we get to work on x-factor which is paradise Having that fourth wall intact, you know?
1: Not having to not having to be too clever for your own good.
13: Right, right. Not having to justify this important character's existence.
1: Except for eye boy. Ex-
13: except for iBoy. I'll I'll do
11: it too. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, that's absolutely true. 100 percent Rita's back. Rita's I... back.
13: <laughs> yes.
1: Rita's gone you. now. They planned <laughs> this, it's a whole thing.
13: Um, uh, what was the question? I
1: don't know. We were talking about It's good. X-Factor's good, right? We got it's, distracted. It's good, yeah. Vita threw us off. Uh, very chaotic energy. So X-Factor's going on right now. Uh, you gave them all really good, cool new suits uh, with David. What's up with the fashion on this? I've heard you put a lot of thought into the mutant Frekoan fashion that goes into uh, iBoy wearing some Jinko jeans.
13: Absolutely. So, uh going into this you know one of the initial kind of overarching concepts and and direction that we got from hickman was like every aspect of their culture as mutants is for the first time being allowed to develop on its own free of prejudice free of suppression they don't have to worry about uh you know, being seen as mutants and that kind of thing. So we get a new language, we get new fashion, we get new architecture, and this new new world. Um, so really, like, going hard on that in X-Factor for new costumes and uh, their new headquarters, which is called the Boneyard. I love it. The Boneyard? It's called the Boneyard. Like from Lion King with the elephants? No. Oh.
0: <laughs>
13: like... Like, it looks like a big boner. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> like, skeletons or the other thing? Whoa. What? A, like... What a, just... It's called the Boneyard, okay? It's awesome. Uh, anyway. And the things that we were discussing... David and I are really collaborative on this. We talk constantly about different decisions. Um, and what we want to do most for everything. So... What we agreed on for this structure, he's totally excited about graphene architecture. That's like his, you know, most exciting thing that he's uh, ready to bring to the table mm-hmm. and, and showcase. Uh, what we agreed on is that this structure needs to be built for flight. Uh, because we've got uh, Lorna and Jean Paul who can fly and we've got Aurora. So we have people that can access this like a landmark because they see it from anywhere on the island. We also, for story reasons, need to put it in a more secluded area. Uh, Read X Factor and you'll know why. Um, But it is like the home base and headquarters for X Factor. So the new fashions, informed by the same thing what would they wear not having um any limitations on what they can create for themselves using and fibers and also what's best for them as characters mm-hmm. i boy in particular david and i were like a united front so i boy
1: i boy his name's really, trevor
13: it's taking like five minutes to make this point i am so sorry it's so fine i got two hours of sleep <laughs> um David and I were a totally united front on our shared vision for Mm -hmm. Trevor because in my lookbook document that I made going into this, uh, about with like notes for character, costume changes and, you know, updates I wanted to make, the direction I think we should take them in, I was like, Trevor's a fashion dumbass, you know, he's a sweet boy. A, a teenage boy And he's very much Figuring things out Right In Age of x man He gets to wear This like, really sharp suit he, He's a mod Looks great Looks amazing He was also brainwashed um, A little
1: bit He was in a sex cult It was a whole thing
13: A lot of it That's that's a lot of brainwashing So uh, we're, we're bringing him back To who he was um, Before then In addition to Like Obviously the Age of x man Experience carries over so his comfort zone is dressing like a dumbass. Uh, he wears bucket hats. Um, he, he wears like oversized clothing and it doesn't always match. He's figuring it out. And Jordan, our editor, Jordan White.
1: JDW, he's notorious.
13: JDW, uh, on behalf of fans, he was like, should we put him in, in something more attractive? He, this, this is ugly. And then David and I were like, that's the point. We both like fought for it, and what ended this like debate it wasn't a debate, I was just very proud of David. Uh, What clinched it and what allowed us to pursue this direction is the fact that David was like, This is authentic, this is how I dressed when I was his age. I didn't know how to dress myself. I can't wait.
1: (laughs) And obviously, it was well-received because at the panel yesterday, uh, Jordan did mention that the president of Marvel uh, gave him a uh, phone call and said, hey, those designs are really, really good.
13: It was totally unexpected. And it was an email, actually. I got to see a screenshot of it. Oh. Um, But, yeah, I think it came into CB, and then CB sent it to Jordan, something like that. But, yeah, uh, the president of Marvel reached out specifically just to say, the costume redesigns are great, and he likes them a lot.
1: They are absolutely fantastic. Now, last thing for you, Leah, Ten of Swords is coming up. Eyeboy has an eye sword Uh, in the promo art. In the promo art, there is a sword with eyes on it, as if it was a Soul Calibur of some sorts.
13: Oh, you, you want me to tell you if it's, like, real or not?
1: No. What? Why would I ask that? That's a crazy question. Of course it's real, and I'm not questioning that otherwise. It's not real. Anyway, uh, you excited for Ten of Swords? You guys going to be playing in that world?
13: I'm super excited. Uh, I don't know if they've talked about this before, but the way that we collaborated for the Empire stuff yep. that we're doing is uh, we did a round robin. Yep. And it means ten pages passed from one writer to another to another. And we played a game of telephone where we were all subsequently trying to one-up the people before us.
1: Very similar to that Spider-Man full circle
13: that was um, done recently. Sure.
1: It, uh, that's what they did. Only okay, over yeah. one issue instead of four or whatever it is.
13: Yeah. So it's bad <laughs> Like, first of all. Now I have uh, to edit out a cuss. And Sorry. Bug nuts. <laughs> yeah! nailed it uh, it's bug nuts and we also had a blast mm-hmm. so now we get to do it in a more like a larger stage something that Teeny and Jonathan worked together on in creating this crossover event um, and like what the story is uh, all of the cool stuff oh and also the way that it came about is during the X-Men retreat we were like we need a really badass sorry uh,
1: no that one's fine we say ass okay, okay. I know the lines are weird <laughs> okay
13: so, we need um, a really badass crossover X Men event. Like, what should we do? And then somebody was like, swords are cool. And then the rest of us were like, what's cooler than one sword? Lots of swords. So, literally, so, <laughs> that is how we made this. So,
1: event. what I'm hearing is that every post that has been made over, the, and yes, I have to censor myself now, every yeah. post that's been made over the last, uh, let's say, about 24 hours 100% 100 on on brand
13: yeah it's literally just we were like what's the coolest thing we can do swords are cool what's cooler than swords more swords
1: I got mad at Annalise because I know she's been able to think about all these very good jokes for months now
13: and and she I I really wish she was at C2E2 but the fact that she hasn't been it means she's just kind of like Despite posting these excellent sword memes yes. from New York while we're all in Chicago, we all
1: get swords now, guys,
13: and it's great.
1: That is so good, uh, Leah. Thank you so much for your time.
13: Thank Very you. excited about X
1: Factor and all the all the good swords we're going to have <laughs> moving forward.
13: So many good swords. The Iowa one is fake, though.
1: Man, everyone, that was a super fun day. We're sitting here in the loft, uh, eating Chinese food. Adam got on a plane, uh, so he's not with us anymore. But we had so much fun. I'm sitting here with Charlie Davis right now. Charlie, what are you eating?
14: Well, I had some sesame chicken.
1: That's fun. Yeah, what and you, yeah. What'd you do at the convention? Anything fun? What's the funnest thing you did this weekend? <laughs> tell me about the tell me about the fun sweaty man. <laughs> well, I eat my egg drop soup on this side. <laughs> Guys, this is gonna be some bad mouth sounds, so hold on. But I do want this soup. <laughs> That's some ASMR right there. Uh,
14: so, uh, this weekend, I did a lot of fun comic book things, but um, I went to AEW Revolution last night with my good friends um, at his wrestling show, if you don't know. And then this morning, I met my favorite wrestler, uh, John Moxley, and we had a good time together. You did, didn't you? We had a good time together. Did you get good art? I got a lot of good art. Did
1: you get good art of Sweaty Men?
14: I did. I got three, three Sweaty Men and a Shatter Star. That's, That's my new film.
1: That's very good. Three Sweaty Men in a Shadow Star. That's great. And if people like the Sweaty Men experience that you had with the AEW wrestling uh, promotion, which, guys, I've watched wrestling now. Did you know wrestling can be funny? There's this guy. His name's Orange Juice. He's wearing a June jacket. He's very funny.
14: His name's Orange Cassidy, but, you know.
1: Yeah, well, who cares? Uh, he's the only good wrestler, and the only other good gimmick is the best friends who are best friends. Uh, but... If if people want to know more about wrestling, this thing that I do not want to know more about, but if they do, because there's a cross-section here. Charlie, what would be a great place where they could learn a bit more about wrestling?
14: Yeah, so uh, me and my partner Mikey, who you may know from the Young Ones podcast that is on hiatus, but it's not dead. Um, we Long live. Have, we are starting a podcast called Match Club, which is all about um, basically going over storylines and feuds in wrestling. So we're going to explain some stuff hopefully with the out and out goal of getting more people into wrestling and finding an, an easy access point for them. So you should excuse me. You should be able to catch match club. Um, hopefully I want I said bi weekly earlier. I'm gonna just say that I'm just gonna call it a monthly podcast. That seems more realistic.
1: Good to have good goals.
14: Yeah, um so you can catch that hopefully starting um in the next couple of weeks. And uh, leave ratings and reviews if you like it because um those are good. And if you don't and you listen to podcasts, I'm sorry, you kind of suck.
1: Agreed. <laughs> True.
15: Or it takes 30 seconds.
1: <laughs> takes 30 seconds, so easy. That's it. Charlie, thank you so much. Now I'm sitting here with Christy, who is uh, a foot away from Charlie. <laughs> you may you may have heard her on this show or on the show. Chris is on Infinite Earth, the best title in all of podcasting. Christy, how are you? You did an interesting thing this whole weekend, didn't you?
16: Uh, I'm doing great. And yes, I did. Uh, I guess to a lot of people it is uh, maybe unique, but it is it is the way I do cons, which is not as myself. Uh, I <laughs> was dressed as Captain Kate Pride from The Marauders, and that was really absolutely so fantastic. Uh, my, one of my favorite parts of cosplaying is just all the people that you...
1: I was I was fixing I was fixing the, the microwave the time. Really?
16: Result. Really?
1: Yeah. I realized it made some beeps during this. I was listening, though. You, you did a good cosplay, which we talked about all weekend. You were Kate Pride.
16: Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, one of my favorite things about cosplay is, is all the people that you get to interact with who wouldn't maybe normally strike up a conversation with you. Uh, I mean, ch- children, adults. Uh, lots of lots of folks. I got to meet uh, some other fun cosplayers. One of my favorites was this very darling young lady who was dressed as Captain Britain. She was so sweet and so impressed with my cosplay. She uh, gave you
1: a flower for Krakoa.
16: She gave me a Krakoa flower and also told me I looked young enough to get uh, into cons for free as a child. So she's my favorite. <laughs>
1: That's good. That's good. It's been it's been a real fun time. Uh, I'm not a cosplayer myself, but I thought that your cosplay was absolutely phenomenal. It was the talk of the town.
16: Oh, thank you, zach.
1: you You were the most important person in Chicago this weekend, I'm pretty sure
16: you know, i I was back from the dead, so I think that's pretty important.
1: <laughs> it is pretty important. Uh, anything Anything you want to say before we move on?
16: Uh, I've just had a really uh, great time hanging out with all of you guys. You, Zach uh here in the loft and getting to enjoy the con with everybody and just ride on the waves of the good vibes of xavier files (laughs)
1: delightful (laughs) and now on the other side of the table i have talked to chris edelman chris has been on the show more than one time he has a beard uh we saw pictures of him without a beard earlier today and he looks baby
15: uh, Chris, how are you today? Uh, I'm not baby. You're not no, baby. Was... Are you daddy? He is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh. oh my goodness.
14: Spicy.
15: <laughs> this is spicy content for the podcast. Yeah, well, you guys, we try and
1: stick away from the explicit tag, so could you not with your with your marriage games? <laughs> you asked. I did. This is on me. Chris, did you have a good show?
15: Yeah, it was a really great show. Um, we got to see some of our good friends. Vita and Leah and Teeny and uh, and our new uncle Jerry Duggan.
1: Uncle Jerry. Uncle, uncle Jerry. Jerry's very good. He's very good. He wears sunglasses inside because it's bright sometimes.
15: <laughs> uh, but it was it was a really great con. Um, far too many people apparently have heard of our 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 whole endeavor.
1: Yeah. By the way, if you guys uh, ran into any of us at the show, thank you so much. Uh, for me personally, it meant a ton. Uh, To hear all the nice things you had to say about all the stuff we did. We have
15: very big heads now over it. Oh,
1: bud, bud. There there was a certain comic creator who shall remain nameless, but he did say that he really liked our stuff. And I was like, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't read this. You're important. We're not. But it was very nice of him. Yeah, yeah. Al Young's the best. So, (laughs) name dropped. Uh, so no, it's a lot of fun. We got to talk about the new event, uh Ten of Swords.
15: Yes, we got to talk about the the new non X Men event, Empire. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, which does also have at least two swords, if not more. There's several swords in it. Uh, Teddy has a sword as the king of space. Yeah, we 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 are a swords podcast now. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. We are fully transitioning into swords. Yeah, we're gonna talk all about swords. Uh, Chris. Uh, We
1: were going to buy swords today, but what did you say?
15: I said we are not buying swords. Well, I wanted to buy a sword. You did want to buy a you sword. I told you you could
1: buy the Cloud Strife Buster sword. It's very big.
15: Yep. Yeah, I, I was worried about uh, Swords on the Train. I thought they'd be upset. Uh, swords on the Train sounds like a
1: very good movie you could have been a part of. <laughs> Now, if if people want to hear more about swords or events, where should they where should they go, Christopher?
15: Uh, they can find our event podcast, Chris's on Infinite Earths, on uh, all their podcatchers, and you can catch all our writing work at uh, XavierFiles.com. Guys, that this
1: has been a super fun con. I wish all of you could have been here. Uh, thank you so much for anyone who got to stop and see us. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, talking to creators and fans, and just everyone. Uh, there's a good community here, and getting to meet Adam. He doesn't know this, but I think he's the best. Uh, so he's got that going for him, which is nice. Uh, if you want to support us on the Patreon, you know where the Patreon is. It's at the Patreon link. Search for Xavier Files from Battle of the Adam. You'll find it one of the two ways. Uh, if you want to talk about other stuff, I mean, we're on Twitter. I'm at Xavier Files, and Adam's at Arthur Stacy. Everyone else is at, like, Genetic Ghost or Strictly Worst or Christy Edelman or Chris's Pod. There's a lot of good things. I don't know what Charlie's Wrestling Podcast Twitter is. Uh, Match Club, at, at Match
14: Club Pod.
1: At Match Club Pod, they just yelled from the half wall that I've been sleeping behind. Uh, I, I, I got banished to this small room because sometimes I snore at night, and that's not fun for anybody. Luckily, the Chris's bought uh, earplugs for everyone to share in. Uh, But, guys, this has been super fun. Uh, Next week, I think we're talking about Krakoa, but not the Krakoa you think we're talking about. Until then, this has been Bow the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience.